Using the voice of America. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 11th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. As we look forward to Friday's kickoff of the Men's African Nations Championship Football Tournament in Algeria, here are some fun facts about the competition, which features players from their local African leagues. It's a relatively new tournament. The first African Nations Championship, also called CHAN, was held in Ivory Coast in 2009 and was won by the Democratic Republic of Congo. The DRC, along with Morocco, are the only countries to have won CHAN twice. Tunisia won in 2011 in Sudan. Libya won in 2014 in South Africa. The DRC won its second title in 2016 in Rwanda. And Morocco has won the past two Chan tournaments in 2018 on home soil and in 2020 in Cameroon. Morocco's Ayoub El Kabi holds the Chan record as the top goal scorer in a single tournament. He scored nine goals in five matches at the 2018 Chan competition in Morocco. Dear respected friends, sports greetings. This is Milutin Mitchell Sredovic, national coach of Uganda Cranes. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Thanks. Thanks, coach. And good luck in Algeria. Coach Micho and the Ugandan Cranes will begin their Chan campaign on Saturday when they play the Democratic Republic of Congo. Well, we're 11 days into the new year, and I'm still reflecting on some of the big sports stories of 2022. One of the biggest football stories occurred at the end of the year, the death of Brazilian icon Pele on December 29th. The man many call the greatest footballer of all time was 82 years old. In this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022, let's listen to my Pele package during my final show of last year. It began with a report from the AP's Karen Chamas. The soccer legend had been undergoing treatment for colon cancer since 2021. His agent, Joe Fraga, confirmed his death. Pelé won three World Cups with Brazil and spent nearly two decades enchanting fans and dazzling opponents as the game's most prolific scorer, with Brazilian club Santos and the Brazilian national team. Widely regarded as one of soccer's greatest players, Pelé orchestrated a fast, fluid style that revolutionised the sport, a samba-like flair that personified his country's elegance on the field. I'm Karen Chamas. Thanks, Karen. In recent years, Pele faced a number of health issues which took their toll in his final weeks. 
AP Global Sports Editor Ricardo Zaniga reports. He was diagnosed with colon cancer a couple of years ago, and he had been receiving treatment for that. And at some point, his body stopped responding to the chemotherapy. That was combined with COVID. He recovered, but his body being so weak, he had uh, one kidney removed a few years ago. So it was massive organ failure from all these different ailments that he had. The different ailments, however, would not prevent Pele from watching the recent World Cup football tournament in Qatar and cheering on the players. Because his health had been deteriorating for the past few weeks, there was time for his whole family to congregate by his bedside, his wife, sons and daughters. And he was able to watch the World Cup. There were a few social media posts from one of his daughters. He was seen watching the games, commenting on on the games at I think there was even a post congratulating Messi after winning the World Cup with Argentina. Pele was a global football icon and the sport's first true superstar. Once again, Ricardo Zuniga. He is the person who laid the foundation for modern football. He won three World Cup titles with the Brazil national team. He was the first really true superstar of football. His Santos team, which is the team, uh, uh, the Brazilian club where he played for most of his career, uh, used to do European tours where they were paid huge amounts of money to play against the likes of Brazil, of uh, AC Milan, uh, Real Madrid. Pele displayed his mastery of football at a very young age. He was only 17 years old when he played in his first World Cup in Sweden in 1958. Pele scored six goals in that tournament, including a hat trick against France in the semifinals and two more goals in the final as Brazil beat host Sweden 5-2 for its first World Cup title. An edge over everybody else, not because they're faster or they're stronger, but because they have a way of seeing the game differently from everybody else. He won his first World Cup in 1958 when he was just 17. So he already was playing against grown-up men. He was definitely very fast. He was strong. Combined with that, the mental skill is what made him so great. During a visit to India in 2015, Pele revealed the secret to his success. To respect people, no? to be prepared always, and then never, never think you are the best. At the World Cup in Qatar, Brazilian fan Flavio Augusto said Pele means so much to the people of Brazil. Pele represents what we are, what we came from. Pele is our roots. It's what we are today. It's thanks, it's thanks to him. Meanwhile, FIFA president Gianni Infantino praised Pele's legendary legacy. He's forever with us. He's forever with everyone who loves football because of what he did for football, because of what he did for giving emotions to all those who love football. Even those who have not seen him play like uh, myself, we love him. I remember when I was 11 years old, my father took me to a cinema to watch a movie, Escape, to victory, a movie in which Pelé was uh, one of the main actors together with Sylvester Stallone and uh, 
My father wanted absolutely for me to see the skills of this unique, incredible player. And the great goal he scored in that movie was uh, a glimpse of his unique talent. I was unfortunate enough to uh, meet him. I could even sit next to him for the premiere of his movie, Pelé, in uh, Milan, as I was sitting next to my father in 1981 to watch Pelé play. I can only speak positively about him, like everyone who knows him. A great human being, great person, with a big, big, big heart, an incredible charisma, winning three World Cups, a beautiful and warm smile, nice words for everyone always. Well, that's how we remember him. FIFA president Gianni Infantino remembering Brazilian football great Pele. How did you feel when you heard the news of Pele's passing? That's the question Iron Mike Mbonier posed to the chief football writer at aclsports.com, Fisayo Dairo. I feel sad, but of course I'm consoled by the fact that the great Pelé has died at a ripe old age of 82. He's known by many as the king of soccer and is also the god of soccer in many respects. He set so many records that generations upon generations will find it difficult to beat. He is the only man to have three World Cup winners medals in history. And of course, it's something that will take generations to break. He meant so many things, different things, different people. But above all, we will always remember him for being the true soccer king. From South America to Africa to Europe, everywhere and everyone adored this great Edson Arantes de Nascimento for what he did for the game of soccer. A lot of us were not born when he did his craft, but even seeing the tricks, the goals, the skills that he put up in those years was enough to tell us that this man truly came before his time. He lived before his time and we will forever adore him. Brazilian legend Pelé was a great player admired by football fans. What does it mean to African football players? The whole of Africa saw Pelé as one of their own. Being a black South American, they embraced him. He traveled down to the African continent a lot and lots of time. He came to Nigeria four times in the 60s and 70s. He came with Santos to play against Nigeria's Green Eagles in 1969 January. And he still came back a month later to play in Benin City. And then in 1976, Pele came to Ibado in southwestern Nigeria to teach school children the art of playing football. And then three years later, in 1979, he was in Kaduna, northern Nigeria, where Santos also played against Raka Rovers. So it was an amazing feeling for those that were alive that time to welcome the legend. Africans see him as the greatest ever, undoubtedly the best that will ever be. And that's why even in Ghana, one of their greatest footballers, 
Abediyahu was nicknamed Pele. So many people didn't know. You would have thought his name was Abedi Pele as he was fondly called across Africa. That is the kind of influence that Pele held among Nigerians and our Africans to be precise. His death, of course, has devastated many, but will continue to remember him for years to come. Hisayo, do you think Brazil or indeed world football can produce another Pelé? To be frank, it is really going to be difficult to produce another player like Pelé. I'm sure the Brazilians have tried years after years, decades after decades, but they have not really seen that iconic figure like Edwin Arantes do Nascimento. It's, it's well over 40 years since Pelé stopped playing football. But, you know, the closest today have gone in some of the stars are Ronaldo, Nazario de Lima, or Ronaldinho, who have entirely different skill sets from this great man who could shoot a ball, could head the ball from close range to long range, packed with a bag full of clicks, you know. It's definitely going to be difficult. Although in football, nothing is impossible. So we cannot put that out of impossibility on it. But as we've seen, for over four decades, it's been difficult to reproduce a talent that will be compelling, as compelling as Pele, using both feet, good in the air, good with free kicks, with corner kicks, with, with long-range efforts, with dribblings. It's always going to be difficult, but never say never. Regardless of what it is, we will continue to celebrate the life and times of this great man Pelé. And we will pass his story, not only the story of what he did on the field, but what he has done off the field. Not only in South America, not only in North America, not only in Europe, but also in Africa. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. 16 times is a charm. That is how many votes it took for the incoming 118th Congress to elect a Speaker of the House. We will talk with political analysts John Fortier and Jim Kessler about the trade-offs Republican Kevin McCarthy made to a group of far-right members in exchange for their support and what impact this may have on the legislative and oversight agenda of the 118th Congress. That's Encounter this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. VOA Africa would like to hear from you. Send us a text message or a voice note on WhatsApp 24-7. Leave a comment, request, or send us a greeting, and you could be hearing your message on VOA Africa. Simply dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. We are always happy to hear from you. The number again is international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news, sports, 
entertainment and music. This is VOA's Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny, and my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Turning to tennis, the seedings have been announced for the year's first major tournament, the Australian Open, which begins Monday, January 16th. Craig Gabriel reports from Adelaide, Australia. The countdown to the Australian Open is well and truly underway, and that was clear with the release of the men's and women's seedings. Albeit they followed the rankings, but there is still an official release, so let's go through the top eight of the 32 players that have managed to get a number. First to the men's, with Carlos Alcaraz out of the tournament, although there certainly was an eyeful of a new advertising campaign he's involved with for underwear. Nothing comes between himself and, well, you can take a guess anyway. In his absence, Rafa Nadal, the title holder and world number two, is now the top seed and is followed by Kaspar Ruud, Stefano Tsitsipas, Novak Djokovic, Andrei Rublev, Felix Auger-Aliassime, Daniel Medvedev, who's been the runner-up the last two editions of the Australian Open, and at eight is American Taylor Fritz. On the women's side, world number one, Iga Schwantek, leads the pack and is followed by Ons Jabeur, then Jessica Pegula, Caroline Garcia, Arina Sabalenka, Maria Sakkari, Coco Goff and Daria Kasatkina, who's at eight. Qualifying for the Australian Open has been happening, but one name in particular I want to mention, and she's won two rounds, and that's Ellie Mandlik. She's the daughter of the great Hanna Mandlikova. One more win, and she's into the main draw. At the Adelaide International, Petra Kvitova and Belinda Bencic had straightforward wins, and last year's Australian Open finalist, Daniel Collins, was also a winner in straight sets. Paula Bedosa and Daria Kasatkina advanced to the quarterfinals, and in the men's, there were wins for Karen Hashinov, Roberto Bautista Agut and Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Korean Kwon Soon Woo upset the second seed, Pablo Carena Busta, from a set down 3 6 6 4 6 4. And the men's defending champion, Thanasi Kokonakis, was lifted by the hometown crowd, and he scored one of the three best wins of his career. He beat the top seed and world number six, Andre Rublev, 6-4-3-6-6-3. Yeah, any time you can beat those top guys, it, it's a massive achievement. I, I know what level I'm capable of. I'm disappointed in myself when I don't bring it as consistently as I would like, but that's my goal this year, to try and just keep playing better and better and keep pushing myself. I get distracted a lot of the times on tour and playing. I find it very tough to kind of focus week in week out and that's the difference between the top guys so if I can get a little bit of that level of focus and intensity for longer periods of time I think uh, my ranking can do some good things but standing out way in front for Thanasi was his win over Roger Federer in Miami a few years ago Craig Gabriel VOA Sports Adelaide thanks Craig Craig mentioned Roger Federer one of the sport's all-time greatest players who announced his retirement in September 2022. To my tennis family and beyond, of all the gifts that tennis has given me over the years, the greatest, without a doubt, has been the people I've met along the way. My friends, my competitors, and most of all the fans who give the sport its life. Today, I want to share some news with all of you. As many of you know, the past three years have presented me with challenges in the form of injuries and surgeries. I've worked hard to return to full competitive form, 
But I also know my body's capacities and limits and its message to me lately has been clear. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt. And now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. I will play more tennis in the future, of course, but just not in Grand Slams or on the tour. This is a bittersweet decision because I will miss everything the tour has given me. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. I would like to especially thank my amazing wife, Mirka, who has lived through every minute with me. She has warmed me up before finals, watched countless matches even while over eight months pregnant and has endured my goofy side on the road with my team for over 20 years. I also want to thank my four wonderful children for supporting me, always eager to explore new places and creating wonderful memories along the way. Seeing my family cheering me on from the stands is a feeling I will cherish forever. I would also like to thank and recognize my loving parents, my dear sister, without whom nothing would be possible. A big thank you to all my former coaches who always guided me in the right direction. You have been wonderful. And to Swiss Tennis, who believed in me as a young player and gave me an ideal start. I really want to thank and acknowledge my amazing team. Ivan, Danny, Roland, and particularly Seve and Pierre, who have given me the best advice and have always been there for me. Also, Tony, for creatively managing my business for over 17 years. You are all incredible, and I've loved every minute with you. I want to thank my loyal sponsors, who are really like partners to me, and the hardworking teams and tournaments on the ATP Tour, who consistently welcomed all of us with kindness and hospitality. I would also like to thank my competitors on the court. I was lucky enough to play so many epic matches that I will never forget. We battled fairly, with passion and intensity, and I always tried my best to respect the history of the game. I feel extremely grateful. We pushed each other, and together we took tennis to new levels. Above all, I must offer a special thank you to my unbelievable fans. You will never know how much strength and belief you have given me. The inspiring feeling of walking into full stadiums and arenas has been one of the huge thrills in my life. Without you, those successes would have felt lonely rather than filled with joy and energy. The last 24 years on tour have been an incredible adventure. While it sometimes feels like it went by in 24 hours, it has also been so deep and magical that it seems as if I've already lived a full lifetime. I've had the immense fortune to play in front of you in over 40 different countries. I have laughed and cried, felt joy and pain, and most of all, I have felt incredibly alive. Through my travels, I've met many wonderful people who will remain friends for life, who consistently took time out of their busy schedules to come and watch me play and cheer me on around the globe. Thank you. When my love of tennis started, I was a ball kid in my hometown of Basel. I used to watch the players with a sense of wonder. They were like giants to me, and I began to dream. My dreams led me to work harder, and I started to believe in myself. Some success brought me confidence, and I was on my way to the most amazing journey that has led to this day. So I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart to everyone around the world who has helped make the dreams of a young Swiss ball kid come true. Finally, to the game of tennis, I love you, 
and will never leave you. Roger Federer won five of his 20 Grand Slam singles titles at the U.S. Open in New York. Not far from that venue are some less glamorous tennis courts where African-American players have developed their skills. Aaron Raynan reports from New York City. For three weeks every summer, the elite tennis world gathers in Flushing, New York for the U.S. Open. A few miles away stand the Lincoln Terrace Park tennis courts, where players, most of them African-American, have built their skills in the shadow of one of the sport's four Grand Slam tournaments. Since the 1960s, these 11 courts have offered a sanctuary from racism and an opportunity for African-Americans to build a community of tennis enthusiasts. This is a social community, so we like to talk, and we brought food, and we sit over there on the bleachers, and we socialize, and we play tennis. To me, this is home. Well, I've been coming here for a few years now, and I think I just love the community. I love being able to see people that look like me. Like, representation is great. These players compete on rugged courts with a subway train line that runs right alongside it, challenging the concentration of any competitor. On a recent Saturday afternoon, a dozen people were hitting balls in the hot sun. Before I was born, these courts were here. It's like a stable of the, of, of the neighborhood. And I guess where that back in the days before my time and when I was younger, this was one of the places that a lot of African-Americans can play and feel safe without being discriminated. It is tennis communities like this that were inspired more than a half century ago by some of the earliest African-American tennis champions, including the 1957 U.S. Open champion, Althea Gibson. Althea and Arthur Ashe. Althea actually first, because she was before Arthur Ashe, and they opened up the tennis world to, to, to let blacks know that this is you can do this. From them came Serena and Venus. And Althea Gibson's success has opened up doors for the Lincoln Terrace Tennis Academy to open up opportunities for African-American youth, but more importantly for them to see this as a possibility for a career path. Many also credit Serena and Venus Williams for keeping the balls bouncing at these courts. I believe, yes, before Serena and Venus, this place existed. It was always great, but with them being in the picture of becoming great tennis players, it also helped this neighborhood and the tennis community. Both her and her sister helped popularize tennis and took it to another level. One wonders if the next African-American tennis superstar may already be practicing here at Lincoln Terrace Park Tennis Courts. Aaron Raynan for VOA News, New York City. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. Francis Tiafo is seated 16th among the men for next week's Australian Open Tennis Tournament. Pro basketball, the undermanned Phoenix Suns 
were able to beat the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors Tuesday night on the road. As we hear now from the AP's Ryan Leong in San Francisco, California. Despite missing four or five starters, the Phoenix Suns got an improbable win as they got past the Warriors 125-113. Mikal Bridges led the Suns with 26 points and former Warrior Damian Lee added 22 off the bench. Don't have, you know, our big dogs, but knowing that we got to try to hold the fort down until they come back. Uh, flying out, Denver's going to be a tough game, but every game in this league's tough game. You, you, if you want to, if you want to be great, you got to go through the greats. For the Warriors, Stephen Curry made his return after missing 11 games with a partly dislocated left shoulder and scored 24 points in the loss. Ryan Leong, San Francisco. Thanks, Ryan. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Cameroonian basketball star Joel Embiid had another big game for the Philadelphia 76ers. The AP's Michael Luongo reports from Philadelphia. The 76ers made short work of the Pistons as they cruised to a 147-116 win. Philadelphia opened up a 19-point second quarterly thanks to a 15-1 run. An 18-1 run capped by a pair of free throws by Joel Embiid pushed the lead to 41 in the third. Embiid had a game high of 36 points. James Harden added 16 along with 12 rebounds and 15 assists. Thanks, Michael. The five other winners on Tuesday night in the NBA were Miami, Orlando, Utah, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Toronto Raptors. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. And that wraps up the January 11th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.